0: What's up, rock stars? Matt Johnson back with another fantastic conversation on the UX podcast. Nate Hirsch is back. Uh, we're going to be doing uh, kind of a consistent thing with Nate. So this is the first of those types of episodes. We're really collaborating on some marketing together because I I believe in their platform, FreeUp, which Nate co-founded, and uh, I think it's a great place to find freelancers, which is kind of the topic of our conversation here. Uh, and and if you're looking for someone to help out with the marketing, uh, I think there's very very key distinctions that you're going to pull out of this episode that will greatly help you find the right person to implement what you need done. Because on this episode, we talked with Nate about the three levels of freelancers, which I think we got into a little bit on our first episode, but we go into deeper here. We talk about what is the basic and the mid-level and the expert and how are they different. We, all, we also talk about how most people shoot themselves in the foot when working with freelancers because they expect the wrong things from each level of those freelancers. For example, one of the things that came out of this episode was that we shouldn't expect high-level strategic thinking from follower-type freelancers, right? It will only frustrate both you and them. And then we also talk about, uh, you know, some of the countries that have different strengths, for example, where where you're best looking for customer support and operations roles versus maybe development and tech support. We talk a little bit about Nate's experience in each of those, and uh, and really we dive into the difference between freelancers and how to work with them effectively. And we, we related to how Nate actually built up their own business because they walk the walk and talk the talk every day, right? And they're using the freelancers that they provide on their own platform to run the platform. So the same people that do the work for the multi million dollar business that is free up, they are also the same people that you can basically hire on their platform to work for you. So I love this episode. Um, my standard recommendation for anyone, if anyone just asked me for a General piece of advice is hire someone immediately. I don't care if you have someone, I don't care if you have something for them to necessarily do right away, especially if it's the first time you've hired someone. It is critically important to hire someone right now. Uh, I would encourage everyone who's an expert. Or an entrepreneur, if you don't have some sort of personal virtual assistant, that is a great place to start. Or even if you have an entire team of people doing things around you, but you don't have someone personally supporting you, helping you out with email and your calendar and things like that. Again, go hire someone. And FreeUp is a great platform to do it. But more importantly than that, it's the leadership skills you develop in the process of hiring and training and systematizing someone else's role to support you that is so incredibly important. Because uh, if you believe like I do. You know that all business development is personal development and leading someone and hiring someone and having them report to you is a great way to flex that leadership muscle and build that leadership skill over time. So with that being said, check out this episode with Nate Hirsch. I know you'll enjoy it and get a ton of value out of it and keep an eye out for his future episodes because we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff together. So here is Nate Hirsch, co-founder of Free Up. Well, Nate, welcome back to the UX podcast.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. I love being here. Uh, I'm super, super excited. We've got a bunch of stuff we can potentially get into, but I know we'll have you back on a regular basis. So we've got some time. We don't have to cover all of it at once, but there's a couple of things that I thought would be interesting to chat with today. Uh, knowing what you guys know and, and understanding kind of the freelance market and understanding culturally what works best, um, you know, for hiring VAs and freelancers around the globe. I think you've got kind of an interesting perspective. So I'd love to dive into a little bit just how you have scaled up your own company Free up as well as your e-commerce stuff in the past, because uh, I think a lot of people would benefit from knowing what's kind of kind of cracking, crack, cracking open your brain, so to speak, and and taking a little bit of a peek into uh, how the things that you've learned about working with freelancers have directly affected the way that you've scaled up versus the way you would have scaled up if you didn't understand this. So, first of all, let's let's start there. Tell me a little bit about the structure of Free Up itself and how you guys have scaled up without hiring a bunch of employees in the states.
1: Yeah. And and actually for my Amazon business, it's funny because I I started with employees and then I added virtual assistants to all the employees and that we eventually got rid of the employees and made it all virtual. So when we started FreeUp, (laughs) we kind of learned from that and we said, we don't want any employees. Let's hire virtual assistants and freelancers. And I'm a big fan of practicing what I preach. We only hire people from our own platform, the same people that are available to all of our clients and for a lot of those people, a lot of those VAs and freelancers, I mean, we're not their only clients. We have clients right. who use them. So, um, and outside free up as well. So the way that we structure is any day-to-day operation, anything that's following our system, our process, whether it's customer service, whether it's filling tickets, whether it's doing our recruitment and our interviews, or it's our billing, our accounting, is all the Philippines. Um, they we found that for whatever reason, I mean, they speak English at a high level, which is great for customer support. They obviously work hard. It's it's tough to Generalize everyone from a country, saying they're all hard workers, but the ones that, that we found have been incredibly hardworking, um, and they they pretty much run all the day-to-day operations of the business. So, thirty-five plus of them running a nine million dollar a year business, handling all the day-to-day operations with no U.S. people involved besides me steering the ship. Um, we have my business partner Connor, but he's more on the back end, the marketing, the stuff like that. Not really so much on the day-to-day operation. So. I use the Philippines for the day-to-day stuff. If you think of it like a triangle or setup, you've got the customer service tickets, which is under me. You've got the vetting the freelancers, which we call the freelancer success team. Um, And then you have what we call the accounting team, which is really the billing team. And they all kind of work together. They each have teams of five to ten people, and and they communicate with each other. On the flip side, which Connor handles mostly, is our development team, people that handle the, the software, the building of not just the WordPress site, but the actual time clock, which is built in the language of Node, which I don't really know what that means. I'm not a developer, nope. but I know that it's built in, in Node. So okay. we have a U.S. developer who's a freelancer and then two people from India. And we found that for whatever reason, we've had much better success hiring people from India to do our dev work. Um, mm. They seem to have a little bit more of a technical background, which has been great on the dev side. And I think having a U.S. leader that, that really understands dev and can answer any questions or fix any bugs um, mm-hmm. is huge as well. We actually have a person in the Philippines who does quality um, assurance in that team. So mm-hmm. as we test stuff and push it up, th- there's three three levels when you're doing dev. So you got production, which is what's live, and that's what people are using. Then you've got the staging, which is where you test stuff before it goes into production. Mm-hmm. And then you got QA, which is, the, like the very initial, like, as you're building stuff, testing stuff. So we have a, a person in the Philippines who tests the QA and the staging before it gets up with the production. And then when a client finds a bug or reports a bug in our software, they'll test in production, communicate to the developers, and then they'll fix it and push it all through again. So Perfect. Okay. that's how we do that. And then hmm. on the, the marketing side, the, the Facebook ads, the Instagram, and all that, we use freelancers and agencies from our platform, mostly U.S., and I have an agency that runs my Instagram. I've got an agency that runs my Twitter. We've got a freelancer who runs our Facebook ads. And then what we do is we support them with people really scattered all around the world. We've got someone from India and the Philippines who do our graphic design work, two video editors in the Philippines, sure. um, a guy who handles our YouTube who's in the Philippines. So that's a little bit more scattered. So that's really how we've structured up. Um, and it made it very scalable without hiring anyone in person. As you can see, I'm traveling right now. We were joking before. I'm in a storage space, um, but you could be anywhere and just run that big of a business using entirely freelancers and virtual. Space.
0: Yeah, it's it's insane. It's a complete and total paradigm shift. Because if you told people, uh, and and freelancing has been around for a long time, and and especially outsourcing things to the Philippines has been around for a long time. But if you told the average expert 10 years ago that they could scale up a nine million dollar company that they could run from their house or the storage, the, the, the garage, the, uh, some, some all, small room in a basement in an undisclosed location uh, <laughs> while having most of their team scattered all across the world, they'd tell you you were insane. There's a couple things that I wanted to go dive deeper on here just for a second. So a couple of things on the dev side, it sounds like your business partner is kind of the liaison, the guy that ties everything together but you also mentioned there's a marketing angle and you've got people that have their their support staff. They give, they're give they kind of producing the raw materials. Uh, is there somebody between you and all those agencies, like managing the agencies, liaising between all those freelancers and stuff? Do you have another person or is it you?
1: So think of it as I'm much better on the, the sales of customer service, the process or anything that that is me. Connor's much better on the marketing, the social media. That's all him. Neither of us have a background in development. So for a while we kind of pushed it back and forth of who handles that. Um, and eventually we decided that he does a much better job. He has the patience for it. Um, yeah. So he handles the dev now, which is actually one of our better decisions about a year a year ago. So um, that, that's kind of how it ended up like so that. Connor, so
0: Connor's the guy on both, both of those legs of the triangle, basically making sure that all things are tied together. Exactly. Yeah, which makes sense because that's one of the issues that I have with like the average, the average expert or creative. Uh, that's what we're told. We're either told either figure out the marketing and do it all yourself, uh, you know, which is the Gary B style. Or we're told like, hey, you need to go out and hire. There's a lot of great agencies out there. Just hire an Instagram agency, hire this and that Any agency. The problem is as soon as you hire more than two agencies, you just gave yourself a part-time job called managing agencies, which for you uh, is good because you've got those roles, but you've got two partners in the business, right? Most experts, um, you know, it's them, it's their show, right? They don't have that other person. And I think that's what's uh, that's the journey that I'm on right now is rather than bringing in somebody in the sense that they're a partner in the business, but I do want someone that has a partner mentality, in my business. Uh, and I, that person will probably end up being in the States, but again, they're, they're going to be a part-time freelancer.
1: Yeah, that, that's tough. I, I honestly, I discourage people from doing that. You almost like want the best of both worlds. You you yeah. want a partner, you don't want to give them equity, but yeah. you want them to be so committed to your business that, that you're their number one focus. And that, I mean, the last thing you want to do is hire someone, get them super invested in the business and then they get a better offer somewhere else, or they take on other clients to increase the workload. That's yeah. the, the risk you take. And I mean, if you do find that person who's willing to work with you in that more partnership mentality and do it for a price like a freelancer, obviously treat that person really well. Hold on to them. That's a, yeah. a dozen. They're um, not a dozen needle and haystack. That's the right thing. But but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you the, the important thing to remember there is I didn't just wake up and hire 50 people and say, oh my god, you're doing this and you're doing this. And I work with a lot of agencies who are solo people or maybe they have a few freelancers here and there and there's that process of scaling up and hiring people that you don't have to manage that much. I mean, my, my Twitter agency and my Instagram agency, I communicate with them, but I'm definitely under no means managing them. And there might be a month that goes by that. I I just check in with them. Hey, any, anything I should know, any content ideas. And we're just very much on the same page. And a lot of that is because we spent a good amount of time up front, not only on the free up vetting side, but just on the getting on the expectations right from the beginning side. And yeah, we made it clear what what kind of relationship we wanted and what kind of relationship we absolutely under no circumstance wanted um, or didn't want. And then-
0: <laughs> Which was to give yourself a management job. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And yeah. so that's a kind of relationship. And I like to look at it more as collaboration. Whenever I'm dealing with a, a virtual assistant in the Philippines, yeah, there, there's managing, but I eventually want them to take it over as well. When I'm dealing with a freelancer, someone who's self-employed, running their own business and um, an agency- I, it's got to be a collaboration. If it becomes me turning into boss man, telling, giving directions and trying to force them to do something, I get out of that relationship pretty quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing that's hard for, it's hard for a lot of people to understand. It's it's definitely harder for freelancers themselves to grasp is just how much we need them to take the mental burden off of us in order for it to be worth it for us to pay them. Especially if you've got someone like, you know, for you, for example, uh, your experience at hiring people. And you know what you want done. It's not that hard for you. If you wanted to let's let's say you wanted to not hire a Twitter agency, but you wanted the same things done. It wouldn't take you long to figure out a system, hire somebody to execute it and train them on the system and then have the system up and running. Right. So when you're dealing with someone like you, the the real difference in hiring an agency is can they take the mental burden off of you? And it sounds like you've got some great agencies to where you don't have the part-time job of managing them because you have that relationship. But again, It goes back to expectations. You did a really phenomenal job up front, and most people don't do that on either side—the the the person being hired or the person hiring.
1: And I think it also comes down to how how I mentally break down the the different levels of people. And we might have talked about this on the other podcast—the basic, the mid, and the expert level. um, Where a basic level is that virtual assistant, five to ten bucks an hour. If you're hiring them on the free up platform, they have years of experience because they're not, we're not a marketplace for newbies, but at the same time, they're followers. They're for clients that have their systems, have their process in place. If you don't know how to run Facebook ads and you hire someone for six bucks an hour out of the Philippines and say, hey, run my Facebook ads. I don't know what I'm doing. You're not going to have a good experience. Mid-level people, more specialized. We do the same thing eight to 10 hours a day, graphic designer, bookkeeper, writer. You're not teaching a graphic designer how to be a graphic designer but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. They do something at a high level, and you can tweak what they do to fit your needs, especially on on the creative side, but they're executioners. And then you've got the the experts, the high-level freelancers, consultants, agencies. They're bringing their own strategy to the table, their own plan of execution. They've done the same thing over and over. Um, They can project manage. They can handle big budgets. They can execute high-level game plans. And the common mistake there is someone will hire an expert and then start trying to have the expert implement their strategy, which if you think about it, that expert had so much success doing it their way. If you really want them to experiment doing your way, the chances of success are not that high. And, and that's why just having that mentality of knowing, hey, do I want a follower or do I want an expert is so important as an entrepreneur. Because once you find yourself in that in-between where you kind of want the best of both worlds, that's when you, you realize you, you need to get clarity, you need to really figure out what you want.
0: And I think you're right. Uh, the, the getting stuck in the middle ground between one of those is very, very bad. It, it does happen more so with the, um, the basic people being assigned to do experts that only an expert should really do, being assigned tasks that only an expert should do. Uh, the, inter- the other middle ground is interesting, trying to get experts to behave like mid-level people. Um, that's an interesting one. I can definitely see that with some experts and thought leaders that we work with, where they, they come with their own ideas of what the system should be. It's tough from the agency perspective. Like we have the system figured out. Um, at the same time though, it's, uh, when you're dealing with social media and things like that, that are changing a lot. Um, yeah, I, I sometimes you want you want those clients that press you you know, that, that they do come to the table with their own ideas and they press the experts to get better at what they do. So I think there's, there's, there's kind of a, uh, yeah, you have, to, you have to choose your relationships and choose the structure of the relationship correctly. Because uh, I do think when you're working with expert level freelancers, they, they do know what they're doing, but things are changing enough that if you have really smart clients, that expert should be pushed to change and evolve at the times.
1: But that's why setting expectations and having that collaboration mindset is so key because Mm. let's say you hire a social media agency. The expectations up front is, I don't know social media. I want to hire you. I want you to handle it. I want it to be one less thing that that I do. And I just want you to take it and run with it. And then Mm. three months later, you listen to a Gary Vee podcast. You're like, wow, I just heard this awesome strategy. I want you guys to implement this right now. And And they're like, Wait a second, like when we when we talk, we got on the same page that we'd be running everything. Maybe we would not have even ever agreed to work with you because we only work with people that that do it this way. Yes. So versa, if, if, and this is what I did with my Instagram agency. I'm like, hey, I don't know that much about Instagram. I don't know how much time I'm gonna be able to commit to it. At the mm-hmm. same time, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. I like being creative. I like thinking things. I like throwing stuff against the wall and, and seeing how they work. Like, what's the best way to have that kind of relationship where I'm not stepping on your toes, but we can still collaborate without me just being like some crazy needy client who's always messaging you ideas. And we came up with a good system for it. We were on the same page and, and we moved forward. So it really comes down to the expectations and that kind of collaboration.
0: Cool. Well, I'd love to hear more about that. Let's take a step back for a second. And what's the best way to learn more about the Free Up platform and, and kind of take that first step forward?
1: Yeah. So if you go to FreeUp.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top. You can book a free meeting with me, Create an account. It's free. There's no, no sign up fees, no monthly fees, no minimum, no obligation. Imagine this podcast. Get a free $25 credit. Um, and me and my team look forward to helping everyone.
0: Cool. All right. So tell me a little bit about that. When you set the expectations up front, I, I'm curious when people come in to free up, just because I know a lot of the people that are listening are going to be interested and in they're, they're probably going to experiment with, with the platform. So, what are the, some of the things that you wish people would come in with a little bit different expectations?
1: Yeah. I mean, th- this happened earlier this morning. We had a client who hired a freelancer and the freelancer actually handled it beyond well. It was extremely professional. And from the beginning, she said, listen, like it- it's really just not clear what you want. And keep in mind, I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations. So it's tough for me to give exact details. Sure. I kind of related to a client who says, find me profitable products on Amazon. And that's it. And that's the <laughs> only direction that-, that the freelancer gets. And so the freelancer, they might've learned a little bit here and there, like through the past few years, working with different sellers. So they do the best they can. They, they, they're not malicious. They're trying to do their best. And the client looks at it and they're like, this isn't at all what I'm looking for. And, and I mean, from the freelancer side, they don't know what to do. And we encourage the freelancers to not proceed forward with work until they actually are 100% on the same page. It, everything we talked about before on the client side goes the same way on the freelancer side. Right. And, and, and that's really where I see clients go. And again, it goes down to that basic mid and expert. If, mm-hmm. if you're someone that says find me profitable products and you don't have a system for it, you got to hire that expert. You need someone to come in and build a system or implement a strategy. And if you are someone who's been sourcing for a while and you, you want you have, Hey, follow ABCD. This is good. This is bad. Then you go the basic and the client that's trying to go the in-between, it almost never works out for them.
0: Very, very, very good. Um, yeah, I have nothing to add to that, uh, other than just to to really drive home the point. Uh, yeah, how does uh, when when you are the expert in one thing, it's very easy to assume that you are therefore the expert in other things, and I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble, right? Uh, and we hire someone assuming a little bit too much, right? So it's easy to get into that situation where you you treat them like a like a fellow expert but they're a mid-level person, they're, they're a doer, right? If you come to them with a system, they'll execute it at a high level, right? But they won't, they're not gonna bring necessarily their own you know, like strategic thinking to the table. Um, the other thing that I'm curious about, and then we'll close out, um, when we talk about kind of taking kind of the mental burden off of, off of the person who's doing the hiring, um, when you look at a mid-level person versus an expert, do you do you think of that mid-level person as somebody who pushes things forward? Or is that, when, is that, a, is that a character and a personality trait that really just comes with that highest level person, the, the ability to push projects forward and take that mental burden off of the person who's doing the hiring?
1: Yeah. I mean, the important thing to keep in mind is these are real people. They don't always fit into perfect level. So there's always going to be some level of in-between. And, and I've had times where I've hired a basic level person and and they've been rock stars. They can take initi- initiative. They can come up with a strategy. They might know something at a high level that I don't even know the beginning stages of. And when you find those type of people, hold on to them, treat them well. They can become very valuable parts of your business. But if your entire business structure is built on, I need to find $7 people to execute strategies for my clients, long-term, that, that's just not going to work out. You might find some gold people in there and, and use them, but people leave, people quit, people get sick. And if if you're constantly betting on that, you're going to have some issues along the way. And there's a difference between, I, I encourage ideas. I encourage people to come with, with bring their own experience to the table. I don't want to hire robots. Even if I'm hiring a basic level person, I want, I want everything. I want the full package. I want them to come up with how can we improve our systems, our processes. What did you learn from other businesses? But there's a, to me, there's a difference between that and, and me hiring an agency where I'm expecting you to do everything and take this off my plate and I don't want to think twice about it. With, mm-hmm. with this person, even if they are coming up with great ideas and that strategy, I'm still going to be involved in some level on a management side. It's not like I'm going to hire someone to redo my website or, or let's say customer service and just not talk to them for three months and, and everything is going to be smooth. Like yeah. that, that doesn't really exist. There's, there's a little bit more time, time intensive. It, and I almost think of it, um, if you just take the mentality of how often you want to meet with people. With my basic level people, I'm usually meeting with them once a week. We have an accounting meeting. We have a customer service meeting. With the mid level people, I'm usually not meeting with them very often, maybe once a month. And mm-hmm. if they're like, I'll send them project, and maybe we'll have quick meetings when we assign a new project or start a new thing and get on the same page. And with the expert level, it can be once a month, once a quarter, depending mm-hmm. on what's necessary there. So that that interaction is what really expands. And that's where it becomes difficult if you're relying on the, the basic person to execute a strategy. I mean, you gotta give people time to execute a strategy. You can't be down people's throat every day. And a lot of times, there's more of that that day-to-day operation mindset in that basic level of freelance.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the best decisions I made in my business was never to allow that rhythm of regular communication to slip up. Right. Ever, ever, ever. Even if yeah, you have
1: nothing to meet about. Have yes. them Motivate them. Get them on the same page because... The second you go three weeks without a meeting, then you spend the next week trying to get everything back to the way it was three weeks ago.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, Nate, as always, this has been a ton of fun. I, I learn a lot, as always, from our, our conversations because you've got way more experience in this than I do. Uh, you know, I mean, we've we've run, we kind of have a virtual team uh, that is, that I like the structure of, but I'm still learning. Uh, and so um, I, I love the conversation. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, everybody go check out free up, make sure you grab some time on Nate's calendar to talk it out. Uh, make sure that you get uh, your own stuff together in terms of understanding the tasks and, and the projects that you want assigned. Um, one quick uh, thing that I'll mention is just it's to me, I heard something from, uh, who was it? Rich Sheffrin a million years ago, had something where he just threw off this like one line quote or something in a, buried in a PDF I found in, in like Jay Abraham stuff. And it was the line was, look, everything in your business is either a system or a project. And he's so true about that. And to me, systems are a lot easier to hand off to freelancers. If you've got a project, you're almost always better served going straight to that expert level and finding somebody that already has a strategy They already have it figured out and just for the love of God, let them do what they're good at.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, the only exception I would say is if if you're lean and you're growing, you can't hire an expert for everything sometimes depending on Mm -hmm. your budget. So sometimes you can start smaller. I mean, for Instagram, you can hire a, a mid-level specialist have them get it off the ground, get you some followers. I did that with my Facebook page, and and then yeah. once you have the budget and you want to invest in it, then you can always move up to an expert. So you kind of have that flexibility. But I definitely can't disagree with that quote.
0: Awesome, appreciate it, Nate. Super fun as always, and I know we'll have you back here again in in a little while. So we'll uh, we'll talk to you then. Looking forward to it. Now I believe that clarity releases energy. So I hope that this episode creates clarity for you by laying out a path forward in your business. Now, if you're interested in starting a podcast like this to help you break into a new industry or to establish yourself as an authority in a niche market, let's talk. We have a complete done-for-you podcasting service. That is my agency that I'm building and growing, and I'd love to talk to you about what we can potentially do for you. You can learn more at pursuingresults.com to get a sense of what our service is all about. And if you're ready, if you're really seriously thinking about starting a podcast, I'm happy to brainstorm your ideas and talk about the positioning of your podcast within the market, something that you can take away whether we end up working together or not. So you can grab a time on my calendar for a podcast brainstorm call at bookjohnson.com. That is bookjohnson.com. I just want to thank you again for listening to the show, for leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes, and more importantly, for investing your time, your energy, your attention into the show. It really means the world to me that you'd do that. So again, this is the UX podcast where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine, and we'll see you on the next episode.